This is the daily lectionary comments for the fifth Sunday of Easter. Uh, we're going to look at the Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, and 22 through 27. And we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 37. Okay, Leviticus chapter 20. And we've been going through Leviticus for a while, and no doubt you have often become confused by the language, um, by the things that Leviticus seems to be focusing on. Oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to see what the relevance of that is or why God would get so uptight about this or that or the other thing. But uh, actually, all of this is really important for us to understand. And so I'm going to take a few minutes here to talk about uh, one of the things that's going on in Leviticus that, that you may not have realized but it, it is very, very good for you to realize. And that is, okay, we all know that there are obligations that accrue to a person for whom the Lord is their God. The Lord is our God, and that means our life uh, incurs certain obligations. Now, one way that we routinely talk about these obligations is in terms of obedience. God issues commands. And God not only issues commands, but he also defends his own commandments. He issues commands for his good. He issues commands for our good. He issues commands for our neighbor's good. And he personally defends his own commands. So if we break these commandments, we are in rebellion against God. God is the defender of his own commandments. So he will punish and we can expect to be punished or perhaps forgiven. But even if we're forgiven, we're still being forgiven a rebellion against God, and God is having to deal with the fact that we are disobedient. A fundamental obligation of anybody for whom the Lord is their God is the obligation of obedience. When God tells us to do or not to do things, we are obligated to do that. But in Leviticus, the concern is not generally the the the, the uh, sort of that kind of moral way of looking at it. God is the defender of His own commands and if we are not obedient then then we're going to be punished by him it's not that that thought is is non-existent in leviticus but there is another paradigm another prism through which our behavior is is viewed in most of leviticus and certainly here in chapter 20 and that's this that yes god is the issuer of commandments and the defender of those commandments but he is also a holy God who desires to dwell in our midst. The fact that God wants to dwell with his people, presumably his people want him to be dwelling with them, gives rise to a whole nother slew of obligations and a whole nother way of looking at the consequences of our behavior. And that is the consequences of our behavior uh, for the holiness of God. This sometimes what is used here and is often used in Leviticus is this kind of language. It's really associated most closely with the with the tabernacle and with worship. We, we could call it ritual language, the language of holy things, the language of being clean or unclean or defiled or and that sort of thing. This all has to do with our ceremonial or ritual ability to participate in the services of the tabernacle and to draw near to God, the holiness of the priests so that they can handle the holy things of God, 
being clean so that you can participate in the, in the worship of God and draw near to him. Because God dwells in our midst, that has certain implications. God dwells in the sanctuary, so the sanctuary is holy. The land in which the sanctuary exists is holy. The people for whom the sanctuary lists and who are numbered among God's people are holy. The priests that serve in the tabernacle are holy. And all of this is designed so that we can be near God. Now, we can look at evil behaviors in terms of being disobedient, and that's one way of looking at it and incurring punishment. But we can also look at evil behaviors as those things which make us unclean or which profane holy things, which profane God's name, which profane God's people, which, which uh, defile the land. In other words, those behaviors are not only disobedient to God, but they're working in the opposite direction of what God actually wants for us. He wants to dwell in our midst so that we may draw near to him, but our behaviors are not only disobedient and incur punishments, but they also defile the land. We, by, by these sorts of behaviors, we, we are soiling our, our, own, our own food, our own, our own home, our own place to live, because the one thing that the people of God want is to be able to dwell with God. And through various um, kinds of behaviors, we, we hinder, we besmirch, we soil, uh, we defile, we profane these things. So, for example, it says here in verse 7 of chapter 20, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. The problem with sin is not just that it violates God's commands and brings punishment, but it also profanes. It makes you unholy. It makes you unclean. Think about, for example, uh, in, in the first paragraph there, chapter 20, it talks about child sacrifice and the prohibition about child sacrifice. Well, Child sacrifice, you would think number one would be violation of the first commandment, I mean, in spades, and would bring about a horrible wrath of God upon anybody who would do that. But if you look at verse three, what it says is that if you do these things, it, 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 or the doing of child sacrifice, it, the, the effect of it is to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. Now, it's not saying that it isn't a violation of the first commandment and won't bring God's wrath too. What it's saying though is that God wants to dwell among his people, but people who live like this are actually moving away from the God who wants to dwell with them. When you look uh, later and it talks about um, verse 10 and, and following, it talks about various sexual uh, activities that are prohibited. He could have just said, don't do these things. Be faithful to your spouse, and that's that, and anything else will is a violation of the commandments, and, and God will, will punish appropriately. But instead, it uses different language. Verse 12, it says, doing these things uh, is a committing of perversion. Verse 13, it is a committing of an abomination. Verse 14, it is a depravity. And all these things, it's, it's, it's underscoring how we are soiling and defiling 
the holy land, the holy people, the holy name of God, and the sanctuary itself by the way we're living. Now, this is not exclusive. We're also violating God's commandments, and he is the defender of his commandments. These are two alternative, you know, two different ways of, of viewing what it means when the Lord says, I am the Lord your God, uh, what, what that implies for us. It implies obedience, of course, and um, brings down punishment if we fail to be obedient. It also apply, uh, implies a deep respect for the holiness of God and that we desire to be near him. So we will avoid those behaviors which have the effect of defiling and moving us away and, and moving us away from closeness to God. The focus isn't so much on disobedience and punishment as it is uh, on, on um, damaging the holiness of God and being the opposite of what God calls us to be. I, the Lord your God, am holy, therefore you should be holy. Consecrate yourselves. Okay, I've left myself very little time for the New Testament reading, and I just want to make this comment. Jesus attacks the Pharisees, and he attacks the lawyers. Now, comment I want to make is, what is a lawyer? Today, a lawyer is an advocate in a court of law in order to you know, br bring about a trial or something like that. But what a lawyer was in that day was an expert in the law of Moses. So these were religious experts on, on the scripture. And Jesus is attacking the lawyers because of their interpretations of scripture, which are actually uh, driving people further away from, from God rather than what they should be doing, and that is bringing them closer.